0: this is the Todd and Friends podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to (laughs) do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio, with thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, here's Todd Bergaff. Thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. On these Tuesdays, we talk Timberwolves basketball. And joining us uh, this week on the podcast is Cal Soderquist. He is the studio host for the Timberwolves radio network. Cal, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year to you.
1: Yeah, happy New Year to you and the listeners, Todd. Yeah, great to be with you today.
0: You bet. This is the first time I've talked with either you or Alan in which the Timberwolves did not have a winning week, although they went two and two uh, since last Tuesday night, since the very first week of the season. That really says something. They have played, uh, you know, best record in the Western Conference speaks for itself this deep into the season
1: certainly does and you're right that that's crazy to think about it uh, that way and i think we, we've talked a lot about you know this team has demonstrated some great uh resolve throughout the season and uh, you know the the one stat that everyone brings up is they've yet to lose back-to-back games this year i mm-hmm. think that's really impressive i believe they're, they're the only team that can say that um i thought i heard that earlier this week but yeah,
0: me too you know
1: it's, it's something I think we get to this time of the year and you look at their schedule. Alan's mentioned it a couple times on the broadcast. You know, it's been a bit of a, a wonky travel schedule and, and not so much, you know, a, a four- or five-game road trip. That's actually coming up in this next week. But more so, you know, they've, they've gone out. You go back to that game in Miami. They played in Miami, and then they, I believe they played the Sixers the next night um, or two nights later. Then they were back home at the Target Center just for – basically a one-game pit stop and right back out on the road on the west coast playing the kings um it's it's been a lot of travel i I wonder if that's caught up to the team just a little bit and and, you know that certainly in that loss last night which i'm sure we'll talk about but um just effort things and mental things like like turnovers they got killed on the offensive glass that's not normally something we say about the wolves They're, they're usually Either winning the rebounding battle or at least you know playing it to a draw against opponents. So yeah, just just little things, little uh, slippage areas that are are often we see this time of the year, even with the very best teams.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and and you referenced the Knicks game last night, and you know they got down by twenty two but fought back, made that a game at the end. It was more the OKC game last week. Uh, Oklahoma City, which was one of their two losses in the last week here, where it felt like they were kind of out of that one. Uh, Oklahoma City, a, a very good team, and and got off to a fast start, and the Wolves were kind of you know trailing by double digits for much of the game. But that's happened so rarely uh, to this year's team. That's been you know the exciting thing about it.
1: You're right, and and obviously give the Thunder some credit as well. Mm-hmm. They've they've been basically nipping at the Wolves' heels in the Western Conference standings this whole year. Um, they're really talented offensively, and I think that game. You know, it was interesting to hear from some of the players and, and Chris Finch in the in a couple days afterward um, when examining that game and looking at the film. And Chris Finch essentially said, you know, he and his staff had seen some defensive slippage uh, in their defensive shell over the last week, kind mm-hmm. of kind of leading up to that Thunder game. Um, they were still able to win games. They won the game against the Thunder. They beat the shorthanded Lakers, or sorry, not the Thunder, the Kings uh, before that, and beat the shorthanded Lakers. But apparently, it had been building uh, the defensive issues, and the Thunder were the first team to really take advantage of it. And I think what what I heard was interesting, um, and and something I'm I'm trying to watch now moving forward more more closely. But this Wolves defense, you know, they've got such size. Obviously, Rudy on the inside patrolling things when when opponent uh, players get in there at the rim, but. Their length on the perimeter too. You know, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, the Carl Anthony Towns has done a great job moving around and, and often guarding smaller players. They rely a lot on, on shot contests. And, you know, any of us that played basketball even at a youth level, we know how important a closeout is. Um, and, and in the NBA that's that's certainly true, especially with basically one through five, you've often got great capable shooters any given night that you've got to defend and Chris Finch essentially said in that, that Thunder loss that they were not doing a great job of, of contesting shots. And, you know, if, in the NBA, almost all of the players, if they get an open look and or have time to sort of set themselves and let it fly, they're going to knock it down and then they're going to build confidence as the game goes along. So, you know, with the Wolves, I, I wonder if that's an an effort thing or I mentioned... The travel schedule and, and guys just kind of dragging a little bit this time of year, I, I certainly could see. It's not an excuse, but just in identifying some of the, the reasons that the, they may not be contesting shots at, at the highest level like they have been normally. Um, so that's something I'll be, I'll be watching as we move forward.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, and Finch seems to have the respect of those guys that it sounds like he can coach them hard. He's referenced that a couple of times in regards to Edwards in particular, when people ask, you know, now that he's kind of being recognized more and more, uh, around the league as one of the, the star players, does that make you more difficult to deal with? And, and I've always heard him say, no, Ant is terrific. He, he wants to be coached hard. That makes a big difference.
1: It certainly does. It's a it's a great point, and I think it's an underrated thing uh, about Anthony Edwards and and basically his personality. Um, we know how how much fun he has in the court. We see that we, in interviews. He almost always is talking about his teammates and praising them and and pointing at them as as the MVPs of a given night, even if he goes off for thirty or forty. And we, we hear a lot about that, but I think sometimes fans maybe don't fully appreciate how coachable he is. He said all the time he wants Finch and the staff to coach him hard. He really responds to the coaching. Just one specific example, we've heard Chris Finch in the last few weeks say that they've really emphasized getting to the rim and being aggressive driving to the rim because either you're going to get a high percentage look or you're going to get fouled and go to the free throw line. His free throw attempts per game have really ticked up because of it. And I mean I look at last night's game in New York, he had I think fourteen or fifteen points in that opening quarter. So when he's aggressive like that, it really sets the tone. And if your best player, if your emerging superstar, is willing to be coached hard and takes criticism, uh, and, and applies it to a game and, and, you know, responds to some of the other things these veteran leaders, the Mike Conleys and the Kyle Andersons have for him. It just sets a tone that every other player has to follow. If if the superstar is doing it, why can't you do it too? So I think Chris Finch, it, it's it's awesome that he acknowledges because it's not always the case with these superstars. So I think that's an underrated thing that yeah. uh, allows Ant to be special.
0: My only concern, and you referenced the turnovers a little bit already, the, the team assist-to-turnover ratio is 1.8 uh, assist-to-turnovers. But both Edwards at 1.5 and Towns is even up assist-to-turnovers uh could certainly get better at that assist to turnover ratio at times uh each of them gets a, a little careless with a basketball and that's something that Finch has addressed I'm sure
1: yeah absolutely he he made a great point um I believe it was before last Saturday's game against the Lakers when he spoke with the media pregame and said look if you if you rerun the numbers and adjust our, our turnovers to be just league average, so not even curbing them them to the point where you're, say, top five or top ten, but just league average, then their offense becomes a, a top ten offense in the mm-hmm. league. So that's really the thing holding them back. Chris Finch has said it ever since he's been here that he really believes his offense and the way he wants his guys to play it essentially takes two months of, of the season to really start to look how he wants it to, for guys to really understand and embrace their roles within it and and you mentioned both ants and cat as as the big sort of culprits of these turnover issues that's kind of the next evolution of this offense if it's really going to reach its ceiling and potential and there's obviously so much potential from these guys ants and cat get all of the defensive attention um ants often had to pass he's he's seen opposing teams send doubles at him that he has to be clever about passing out of and and both Ann and Cat, with all of their offensive, you know, potential and and skill, they need to be able to make the right play uh, on a given sequence, a given possession, and that sometimes is where if they're trying to force it too much, looking for their own shot, or if if they're not successful passing out of those doubles, and it's you know a, a jump pass or a skip pass that's off target or deflected, and and ends up a turnover, those things can snowball, and I think. So, yeah, turnovers 100% are going to be the thing to, to keep a close, close eye on. I mean, they did a good job in the first quarter last night in New York, and surprise, surprise, they led by nine. And, and then I believe they had nine turnovers in the second quarter alone that the Knicks turned into. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, it was either seven or nine turnovers, and the Knicks had either 17 or 19 points off those. And yeah. that, that just makes such a huge difference in the game. when If you're spotting your opponent 10 or 12 or 15 Points of an advantage in terms of what they're scoring off your miscues versus what you're scoring, it, it leaves you with an uphill climb.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I don't know. It's it's fourth year for Ant and ninth year for Towns. So you wonder if that turnover bug is going to leave them. And I think turnovers are looked at a little differently in the league these years, uh, these days, because there is so many possessions. Uh, but they've changed the defensive rules so much that you should uh, still be able to uh, possess the basketball a little better. Uh, they, they can get better at it to just with more focus on it probably, right?
1: Yeah, certainly, and, and it's a great point you, you bring up too about how there's a certain uh, – teams, I guess, can stomach and, and tolerate you yeah. know certain types of turnovers and certain numbers of turnovers. The Golden State Warriors have, have for years, you know, with their specific style of play, there's so much movement player movement, without the ball. They're, they're obviously running their great shooters off screens and they've always said they, they're okay with X amount of turnovers because it's the way they play. They play so fast. They have so many more possessions, but not just the turnover numbers, the type of turnover. Like, Alan will often point out live ball turnovers are obviously much more, you know, if, if you throw a bad pass out of bounds on your on your possession and, and your opponent has to inbound it, that's that's one thing. You can still get your defense back but if you throw a live ball turnover, it often results in, in the opponent running the other way with you know an odd-man advantage. So mm. um, those things are those things are it, it's not every turnover is the same. I, I guess is another way to put it. And so I think that's another thing that the Timberwolves are trying to identify with the film and, and try to correct moving forward, because you're right. there's a certain tolerance to so the way they want to play. they obviously want to move the ball. Chris Finch always says, "Trust the pass." Uh, get off of it if there's a double coming at you. That mostly applies to guys like Ant and cats, So they've got to trust that if, if they make the extra pass, the ball will eventually find its way back to them, and, and they're certainly still going to get their shots. They're the, the two focal points of the offense. But, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line to sort of uh, navigate.
0: Lakers were in town on Saturday night, second time in the last, uh, what, 10 days or so uh, that they had come in, and LeBron didn't play the last time. So there was some people who paid a premium to see him play. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he did. The Timberwolves have a culture of you play every night. Their guys want to play. Their coach wants them to play. They do that. Not everybody has that. LeBron does get days off. I mean, he's 39. He's played more minutes than anybody in history, if you include his uh, postseason. Nonetheless, yeah. good to see him play. He did. I just watched it on TV, but it sounded to look like the place was up for grabs. So uh, I know you're kind of down in a war room there when you're broadcasting. <laughs> Do you get a chance to come up and feel the crowd a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know you can. You're right. During the game, we're in the studio. I, I'm in the studio, and uh, I, I try to always get out pregame. And especially for Laker games, or you know when when Steph Curry is in town with the Warriors, that you can still feel the buzz pregame. Some. 30 to 45 to 60 minutes before tip, you can just feel on those certain nights when there's kind of an extra electricity in the building and credit to the Timberwolves fans. That's been the case more often than not this season. You know, they've had a a record number of sellouts to this point. Most nights now the building is jam packed and, and near a capacity crowd, but yeah, the Lakers are always a, a special, you know, there's, there's tons of Laker fans that always come out for the one to two times they're in town. Um, and you're right, LeBron missing that first one on the second end of a back-to-back was a bummer, but to get to see him suit up uh, and nearly steal the game last weekend, it got a lot closer yep. than it needed to, partially yep. because of a mental lapse from Jaden McDaniels. Um, luckily, his LeBron's toe was, was, I guess, just brushing the line yep. on, his, on his three-pointer. That would have tied the game. Um, so yeah, the Wolves nearly gave that one away, but it was it was an awesome crowd, a really good game. and. Hopefully the, the Wolves and, and they are able to learn some lessons from uh, nearly letting that one slip away.
0: And I was glad. I want to see. The, the Wolves have had some good fortune this year with the schedule. They haven't had too many back-to-backs. They've had other teams come in on back-to-backs or where they've gone to their arena. Plus, they've had a lot of load management games against them this year. They've played other teams without their stars, load management or otherwise. Uh, which which is good news. You don't get that when the Timbles are coming. They're going to play against you.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned you know Chris Finch's philosophy and the players. All these guys want to play if they're healthy. I think honestly, with with some of the injuries Anthony Edwards has su- sustained, the team has probably had to hold him back a little bit in, in his own best interest. But he wants to play through everything. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious too. You know, New Orleans is the next opponent uh, tomorrow night. They play tonight at home against Brooklyn. So. I I wonder if we'll see them uh, without maybe one of their sort of big big three with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and C J McCollum. It's an unfortunate deal in the league, um, especially for for Wolves fans who come out to see these other big name players. Yeah. But it's it's become such a such a thing, such a reality. Uh, I think the the one benefit is you know three or four or five years ago. You would show up to Target Center to just see those stars, to see LeBron, to see Zion. And the Wolves team didn't have a lot, uh, you know, uh, frankly, a lot of star power on its own roster to offer. That's obviously not the case anymore. You, you come to see Ant, you come to see Cat. Um, and, and even, you know, I think fans really from last year to this year have come to appreciate Rudy Gobert so much more and, and what he does defensively. It's awesome to see like after a great defensive possession, not even necessarily a block, but if he's hustling around defending guys, moving from, from either side of the lane to, to get over and uh, contest a shot at the rim, fans react to that. They make some noise. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see them uh, kind of pick up on all the little nuances of how he can impact a, a defensive possession.
0: And, you know, you can have all of the best ingredients in the world. You're about to make a, a big meal. But without Bobby Flay to put it all together, it, 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 sounds, it, it tastes like I made it. And Mike Conley is Bobby Flay, right? I mean, the Wolves had all these parts, all these awesome pieces uh, that would make a great meal with Gobert and Cat and Edwards and the other pieces. But it took Mike Conley to come in and be the chef and get everybody kind of going in the same direction out on the floor. He's,
1: he's been huge. I mean, ever since that, that trade to bring him in at the trade deadline last last February, he's made so much of a difference. And you could even add in Nikhil Alexander-Walker and how he's been able to mm-hmm. step in uh, as, as part of that trade. But Mike is, is certainly, I mean, Chris Finch is, has run out of ways, you know, he gets asked about it every so often, especially when they're on the road, of what Mike Conley's impact has meant. And he essentially says, i I don't really have any adjectives to describe it, but he's meant the world. You know, he sets the tone behind the scenes um, in locker rooms, at shoot uh, He his just approach and professionalism really, I think, was needed for this team when when you consider how much uh, they rely on these young guys to kind of carry them forward as they look to progress. And what he does behind the scenes is one thing, but his his production on the court is phenomenal too. I mean, he, he rarely turns the ball over. He rarely takes bad shots. You know, when you're a point guard on a team that has Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, you're only going to get so many shots per game. Uh, but he keeps himself ready. He's hit some big, big threes down the stretch in games. I think of that Laker game. He hit a three that we thought kind of sealed the deal with, with 90 seconds left, I think, mm-hmm. before you know the Lakers uh, snuck their way back into the ballgame. So he has been It's – it's been so cool to see his impact on this team and and just kind of his mature approach. I don't think it's a coincidence that they've responded so well off of losses. You know, they've they've every single day that they, they mostly look like a prepared team. We haven't really seen maybe save for that Thunder game, and and I think maybe the there was a blowout loss against the Sixers on the second end of a back to back. I want to say, um, and it's just that you can count them with one hand. The games where yeah. they kind of haven't been in the game, and I think it's because of veterans like Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, setting the tone with with a mature approach, night in and night out.
0: Uh, Cal, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Todd. Thank you. You've got Cal Soderquist. He's the studio host for the Timberwolves Radio Network on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender.